Hey, Rhonda Brunson with the Picking Strawberries podcast. Thanks for being here, for listening, and being a part of this community that's searching for the beauty in every single day. Today, we honor Chris Keith, Super Dad, as we honor and celebrate all dads this week with Father's Day. Chris has a tragic story turned beautiful as he's changing generational abuse, changing the trajectory of generations to come. At the age of five, Chris's dad killed his mom, killed his brother, shot Chris in the back of the head, and then committed suicide. Clearly, Chris is here for a purpose. He's here to make a difference and to be a part of the change of domestic abuse. With five of his own children, I'm pretty sure the patience of a saint, he's doing the work, he's showing up, and he's changing what was a tragic story into a beautiful, beautiful life of love and mentorship. Hello, Mr. Chris Keith, a.k.a. Spoons, a.k.a. Fifth Grade Spelling Bee Champ. Welcome to the Picking Strawberries podcast to talk about all the things Super Dad. Thank you so much for being here. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, okay. So we got to start with this because, you know, I have one child, which I literally have a spreadsheet for. So whenever I see people with multiple children, I'm just a little amazed by that. So let's start with the rundown of your kids, just with their first name and their ages. Sure. There's Dylan, who is now 19. Isabel just turned 11. Arlo is getting ready to turn nine this month. And now we have Violet, who will be turning four next month, and Liam, who will be turning three next month. So it's a crazy range of ages. That is. And to my count, that's five children, right? Yeah. Okay. If I counted this right. So how long have you and your wife, Crystal, been married? I've been married now longer than I've been single, I just realized. But um, I got... It's been about, oh, it's been 23 years. We got married in 2000, so it's nice and easy to keep track go. of. Yeah. <laughs> that is easy. Okay, 23 years. I mean, that alone, congratulations. And so I want to talk today, you know, you have such a unique story of who you are and what you do and just you're you're in this role of being a dad, breaking this generational abuse. What has surprised you the most about being a dad to five kids? I mean, 19 to two? Like that's a big range. I guess what surprised me the most, and I hope this makes sense. It's, um, I guess looking at my story and kind of what happened to me as a kid, I always thought to myself, man, it's once I become a a father, it's going to be so easy to do this and do and not yell, not do this. And I guess once I became a father, I didn't realize it's hard work. I haven't met a parent yet that that's never yelled at their child, you know? So it's hard to be perfect. But as a kid, I thought, man, I'm going to be I'm just going to be perfect because of what I had to go through. I'm going to make sure I never do anything like that. But it, it's, it's hard work to constantly do that on a daily basis to just remember, don't be so quick to anger. Don't, you know, just be patient and just remember they're little, little kids that are trying to learn, that are trying to just see how life works. And, and sometimes we get caught up in our own, own life and maybe that's just selfish reasons, but it's easy to react certain ways. And so I just try to one thing I just didn't realize how hard it would be as far as just the way we treat, you know, our children, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it can be frustrating, right? And working through our own Definitely. frustration and uh, giving them space. I mean, I loved how you said that, that they're learning and growing and that, you know, that's what we're there to do is give them space for that. 
So as you're showing up for your kids, how do you work through your own feelings about your history and losing your mom at such a a young age? Because you were five, she was 27. Does this bring up, does this trigger, you know, how do you work through all that? One of the main things I think about now is just, and as, as generic as the answer may be, just how short life can be. We're never promised tomorrow. And so I try to always think about that when when my kids come to me and I'm, I'm working on the computer and, and they want to, you know, play ball or go wrestle in the living room. I always try to remember that in the back of my mind that, you know, I don't know if that's too morbid, but I'm always just thinking, hey, you know, just in case it's the last time I need to go spend time with with them. And now it's even more challenging because I, I want to make sure I'm spending as much time with each kid, you know, spending time with them. And so that's the challenge. But that's something that when I look back and think of my story and just, and a lot of people's story in general is just, you know, tomorrow's not promised. And so I try to spend as much time with them as I can. Yeah. Love that. Tomorrow's not promised. I feel like that goes in my quote book because it feels so, <laughs> so true. Definitely. So what is your favorite thing about being a dad? Your just absolute favorite thing? Well, I would say just being a mentor. One of the things that helped me was having mentors in my life that obviously weren't my parents. They were just other people that stepped up. And so the fact that I have this, these, these five, well, they're not five little kids now anymore, but um, these five eyes just staring at me, looking to see what I'm going to do, looking to see how I'm going to react to a situation, just that, that role and that responsibility, just being a, a mentor for these, these kids and other kids as well, whether it's coaching or doing other stuff. It's a big job and I, I enjoy it as far as um, knowing that I'm, I'm helping, especially with my kids, knowing that I'm helping break that cycle and show love and just try to always be there. So I guess that's one of my favorite things is with, the, with my kids. Uh, well said. What do you find the most challenging? I mean, there's a lot of challenging things about parenting for sure, but what is just the, the most challenging for you? Well, I think that actually could be the same answer is um, I really find it challenging and a hard job and knowing the fact that I am a mentor for these kids and knowing that anything I, I do can hinder, you know, their progress, you know, as a, as a little human being. Anytime I mess up can be a big deal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So it's really the same answer in my mind is I find that the most challenging. It's not, it's, it's not easy. Like I was saying a minute ago, it's not, it's, I can't, I'm not just not a perfect super you know, super data. It's it's a lot of work, so I find that challenging as well. But it's a it's a good challenge. I feel that pressure too. I mean, we can we can mess it up, right? I mean, thankful for grace and apologies, but I definitely feel definitely. that too. So your youngest two children have been adopted from the foster care system, and I know that's such a process for anyone doing that. But how is that experience? And it's final, right? They are legally adopted. Like you're through the process. How has that experience given you an even different perspective on being a father? Well, I'd say fostering and, and adoption in general, just looking at the different lives and the different upbringings that, that people have had. And it, it kind of goes all the way back. I, my dad was adopted. I was not really, but technically adopted by my grandparents. And then we've had, uh, well, I guess it'd be uh, about 11 kids through foster care kind of come through our home. And so we've, we've seen a lot of stories a lot of broken hearts. That has really helped me to see um, how other people have lived and, th- and things that other people have gone through. And that you see the stories of, of some of these kids and it just breaks your heart that they've had to go through that at such a young age. 
especially the two that we that we've adopted that just reading their story and seeing some things that they've they went through as little babies breaks your heart but um it just helps me to kind of have another perspective not everybody grows up with two loving parents and in a nice big house nice cars and so it's it's a good way to help help me get a picture and stay grounded as far as helping them out and uh, trying to be patient just last night we had to crystal had to, my wife had to run the three-year-old to the to the er because she fell and busted her head and it's just there's just a lot of chaos going on and you just have to kind of yeah know that they're they're going through a lot as little kids or at any age and just try to be there to help them and so but it's it's been a very good learning experience for me and my wife but you know i wouldn't change it for anything yeah Beautiful story. And you serve on our board of directors for the Choose Courage Foundation. And I know that, you know, your story plays into your passion about ending domestic abuse and being a part of that change we need. How does that, I don't know, how do you feel about that? I mean, you've spoken for us, you're on the board of directors. We're all about that, breaking the shame, stigma, and silence of domestic abuse. Can you speak a little bit, just like you personally, in that role? Because you have a a different perspective than even like our survivors or our non-survivors that are advocates. You know, we all kind of bring something different to the table. Definitely. I think, yeah, even looking back at how I saw things being a child in the domestic violence situation, sometimes a lot of times I'll look back and try to try to think and, and empathize what my mom was going through as far as just the fear the struggling because at first glance I'm like, man, why didn't she get us out of that situation? But um, it's you know it's deeper than that, you know. It's um, how scared was she? This did she know that she had people behind her that would that would help her? And so I just I my I think about the the story and what happened, and I just I use that to kind of motivate and to to let others know if if especially if I hear another story that I'm there. Uh, one thing. So I've spent a lot of time traveling and speaking at at-risk youth facilities with with kids. But one of the coolest ones I ever got to go to was a facility in Florida that was all young mothers. And so they all actually had their their babies with them in the juvenile facility. And so when I went, went to speak there, I mean, it was a room full of mothers and they were all holding babies. So it was it was different. But I did wow. get to speak to one lady, one lady afterwards that... She was telling me her story, and it was ba- it was pretty similar to what I just kept seeing my mom. And I, I I told her, you know, I was talking to her about what my mom may have felt, things like that, and 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 please hear that story and kind of use it um, as encouragement to for when you get out of here. Because she said, I she, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. When I, once I get out of here, I'll probably end up going back to my boyfriend anyway because I don't know what else to do. And so, kind of kind of my using my story to try to help as best I can. And I don't know if it helped her. I don't know if it if um, it resonated with her later. It may have. Um, I pray that it did. All, all I can really do is try to try to plant seeds and hopefully they'll they'll grow later. Um, I'm never I'm never around to see them, but that's kind of the the beauty and faith. So the best I can anytime I can I can not really use my story, but like anytime I can I can take what happened and and use it as a way to maybe help others or just a little encouragement here and there. I do that as much as I can. As a community, how can we be the most helpful for people in and families, you know, struggling with domestic abuse situations? I think one thing is just, and it, it's easier said than done, I know, but it's just letting people know that we're there. And looking back at my mom, her story, it's, you know, and my, I think my aunt tried to encourage her to get out of the situation. And it, it's hard to always make somebody get out of that situation. 
but sometimes just letting somebody know that you're there and that you got their back, you're surrounding them with love. It may be the all we can do sometimes, but um, that could that could be the pivotal thing that that changes the situation. So I don't know, being so little, I don't know exactly what my mom was thinking or going through. We didn't talk about that, but it, I wonder if she had that support from the community around her, because it's not always easy to go to see what others are going through. Uh, statistically, you know, domestic uh, violence is everywhere. So it could be my neighbors. It could be many people down the street. It could be people at church. You, you just never know. And so I can't really just walk around and say, hey, I'm here for you if, if you know, but if, if you just let people know that you're there and that you're, you're an ear that they can talk to, I think that's very beneficial. And sometimes that may be all we can do. Um, if there's other options to do more, then, then definitely. But um, I think a lot of the times it's just letting people know that you're there. Yeah. It's bringing that support, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. So when you look out, I mean, we live in a crazy, amazing, broken incredible world. I mean, we're pretty, we're living in a really unique time. What do you see as beautiful from your perspective? Yeah, there's so much negativity in the world. And I think that gets perpetuated by just TV in general. We don't even watch the news anymore. Just seeing so many negative stories, so many stories of hate. One thing that I do enjoy is every night, you know, I'll get on, I'll get online or even just YouTube and I'll get into this rabbit hole of, of seeing like videos of people just randomly helping out other people. There's things that you normally wouldn't see. I saw a video a couple of days ago of, I think it's an older video, but it was like a, a zoo and the, the trainer for a crocodile was, was like feeding it. Anyway, she turned her head and, and the crocodile snapped her, grabbed her arm. And she was, it's a young kid, the trainer. Anyway, she didn't know what to do. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but usually crocodile, they'll, they'll, they'll flip, they rip your arm off. And uh, right. in an instant, some random guy in the audience jumped in the cage and jumped on the alligator, just selfless. Like he didn't know this lady, he didn't know this girl. And he, he spent the next minute or two on top of this alligator trying, I'll let her a crocodile, one of those, but uh, trying to save this girl. And then she was able to get her arm free. And just the fact that some random stranger, you know, basically risked his life for this this girl. Those, seeing stories like that kind of makes me realize that we do have a lot of good people in this world. It's just, it's shadowed a lot by the negativity. But when I see the videos like that online and sometimes in person, you know, someone doing a good deed at the grocery store for somebody, I, I you know, it helps me. It encourages me because I realize there's still, I think there's a majority of good people out there, but it's the minority that gets, you know, shown on TV and things like that, which is frustrating. Yeah. I feel that too. I mean, I'll, even our work with Choose Courage, I leave everything we do thinking, man, people are awesome. You know, and we just somehow we are forgetting that. Yeah. So what inspires you, Chris Keith, on your journey to keep growing and showing up as the best version of yourself? I would say seeing other people's stories of perseverance, um, just hearing what somebody's gone through. And when they tell you I all this, all, all this, all this, but then I was able to graduate college or I was able to do this. Hearing those stories kind of helps, helps to motivate me as well. And, you know, again, just thinking about some of the things when I was a child that I went through, especially after what happened after I got shot, you know, there's, there's evidence from the coroner's report that I, I kept fighting and I kept crawling to other rooms looking for help. And so that even that, even that to this day helps to encourage me to keep fighting, um, not giving it, not to give up. I'll sometimes think about that and I think, well, you know, what am I, what am I worried about right now? Why am I worried about this and that when, you know, as a little kid, I was, 
I was fighting for my life just to make it. And here I am complaining about something little. So I think hearing perseverance, stories about perseverance from others as well encourages me because sometimes it's it's hard, it's easy to, to lose faith or get discouraged about all that's going on in this world. And so every time I hear about somebody um, going the extra mile and just succeeding, what's one of, one of the things I enjoy about my current job today is I just enjoy helping other people succeed. Ugh. Such an incredible story and just the work you're doing. I mean, you were clearly kept here for a purpose and you're living in that purpose, which is really cool to be your friend and to witness, just to witness that. So we've got to close out the show. Quick one word answers. Um, of course, we're going to have to throw a dad joke in there, I'm sure, as we you know, have recently celebrated all the dads. Are you ready? Yeah, definitely. All right, let's do it. So what movie would you watch on repeat or will you watch on repeat? There's probably several, but I think one, anytime it comes on, I don't turn it off, is Remember the Titans. That is a good movie. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Yes, I love that movie. Oh, so good. What is your go-to dad care? Just to take care of yourself and keep yourself in a good space. I would say I love to just sit down with with some a snack or chips and something and just watch just like a ball game. It hardly ever happens anymore. I was going to say with five kids, I'm shocked you have yeah. any answer to this. <laughs> right. Well, well, now it's the two year old. He doesn't, he wants to watch uh, dino ranch or something. And so yeah. I joke because I have a, a giant TV, but I'm always watching ball games on my phone. So, <laughs> but um, right. I enjoy sitting down and, and trying to try to relax, but it, it doesn't happen too much, but which is fine. Yeah. It's a season, right? It is a season. Definitely. Do you have a favorite quote? Yeah, I think one of my favorite quotes is I was a big 90s hip hop guy. And I think one of my favorite quotes is actually from a Tupac poem, which was it was it had something to do with a rose growing from the concrete. And that was always kind of inspiring to me. I don't know the whole poem. I'm not going to quote it, but I'm, I, I know that was a, that was the title. And so that always inspired me. And it was just kind of a cool little quote. And then another one is, um, I don't know where I heard it, but a bright, shiny day comes after the rain. Because mm. we always so get sometimes true. stuck. We still get stuck in the rain or, or what's going on. But just remember that it's going to get better. It'll eventually get better. What lights you up? Uh, I think right now, just playing outside with my kids, really just kind of whether it kind of takes me back to my childhood and some of the fun memories I had of, of growing up with a bunch of cousins. Just being outside and playing basketball with the kids or uh, the latest thing is, is we'll get outside and I'll play wiffle ball. Then I'm just kind of taking in that moment and just, just enjoying it. What's one word that describes your life today? Oh, man. Um, well, I'd say chaos, but I would add to that yeah. a good chaos. I, I, I enjoy it. I know Dylan came home from college this summer and he just said to us, man, I, I miss this chaos. You know, because he walked in and and just there's babies yelling and and kids are fighting and, you know, he didn't have that in the dorm room sometimes. And so it's a good chaos. There's there's a lot going on. There's there's never a dull moment around here, but uh, I enjoy it. I always wanted a big family uh, since I was a kid. And so I got I got what I asked for. Love it. Okay, close this out with a dad joke. All right. Um, I heard this one the other day. I thought it was funny. My 11 year old begs to differ. What is a DJ's? Favorite pizza sauce. Ooh, what? It is marinara. 
<laughs> I love it. Uh, well, thank you so much, Chris, for being on the Picking Strawberries podcast. I appreciate your story and I appreciate you and what you do for the Choose Courage Foundation. And I was excited to celebrate you and all the dads this week for Father's Day. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much, Chris, for being a guest on the Picking Strawberries podcast. We appreciate you, the work you're doing, and who you are to make a difference in our community with domestic abuse. And thanks to all the dads who are showing up, doing the work, being patient, growing, learning. We see you, and we know that you are a huge part of raising our strong, resilient kids. If you know someone that would appreciate celebrating dads, any dads, please share the Picking Strawberries podcast with them and let's keep searching for the beauty in every single day.